Good morning. Glad to see you've all gotten yourselves dug out from the snow. We continue in the season of Epiphany today. And Epiphany is all about showing Christ, manifesting His glory in our flesh. And today we see that again with this first sign, the miracle in Cana at the wedding, turning water into wine. So with that, we will begin our service with the entrance hymn, hymn 409. and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his. 
is also pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. Come and see what, the, what God has done. Blessed be God. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and be forever. Amen. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading for this second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Amos chapter 9. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen, and repair its branches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. And I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted, out of the land that I have given to them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. He sent out his word and healed them. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. The epistle is from Romans chapter 12. Brothers, 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. This is the word of the Lord.
We continue with the gospel with the Alleluia's. Hallelujah. Praise him, all his angels. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the second chapter. <laughs> On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. This is the gospel of our Lord.
the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Everyone here has been to a wedding, maybe your own, your child's, whoever. You've been to a wedding. You know what to look for when you get there. If it's a Christian wedding, there's the church and the pastor, the altar and the cross, the pews and decor all around. Before the wedding, you may see the mother and father of the bride, maybe of the groom, walking about. Notice members of the wedding party bustling about, getting the couple ready. But really, you know who everyone has come there to see. Yeah, the groom's kind of nice, but it's the bride, right? It's the bride. You go there to see the couple. And to keep them from getting too stressed out, maybe you also see a wedding coordinator, someone who keeps the pressure off the couple, keeps things moving, keeps things on time, keeps the in-laws happy. And when it's food time, they help get people fed and drinks in their hands. Because after the ceremony, if people have to wait too long to get fed, you can have a near mutiny. So the coordinator keeps everybody happy, everything running smoothly and on time. Now in our text, our Lord and his mother are invited to a wedding, along with the disciples. And no doubt there is at this wedding the bride and the groom, but we don't really hear too much about them. There is indeed a wedding party. The mother of our Lord is probably herself included in that wedding party. She's helping to make things run. And then there is the master of the feast. I suppose he might be a bit like our wedding coordinators. Now maybe he's a friend of the family, a family member himself. Maybe he's a head servant, whatever he is, for the couple he has been entrusted with coordinating everything to make the feast happen, to make the feast happen, to keep people happy. It's his job to get people fed, keep the drinks flowing, and make sure the wedding stays a celebration. He sits at the head table with the couple, with the family. He walks around making sure everything is as it should be, telling the servants what to do. And yet, in our story today, he is perhaps the most mysterious person of all the people we hear about. Everyone else has their place. But who is this guy? Why is Jesus so concerned with getting wine into his hand? Who is the master of the feast? And we start with our text. As it says, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Well, we see here that the master of the feast is a man with quite a problem. The banquet is out of wine. To understand this, imagine if you were at your own or your child's wedding you had 300 invited guests there waiting for the meal, and at that time you discovered you were 50 plates short. Imagine the scene that would cause after people had been waiting for the couple to arrive after photos and after the ceremony. They are hungry. Being short on food, you would see jovial guests become very dour. 
You'd hear congratulations turn into complaints. The feast would become a mass walkout as people clamored for food. Quite frankly, it would be an embarrassment. But this wedding is much larger. With servants and a master of the feast, this family has money. This family has a reputation. And yet, they come up short. I'm sorry, they have a reputation, they have money, they have guests. They're well known. They have a huge wedding. If people find out the wine is gone, it would be an embarrassment for this family and would hurt their status. And it would be something that the master of the feast would never live down. The mother of our Lord with the wedding party must have heard the master of the feast fret at the head table. So she quickly and quietly goes to the one person that she knows can fix it, her son. So she prays to him, they have no wine. No doubt in a mother's tone. No doubt expecting him to help fix it. But Jesus replies, woman, what does this have to do with me? It's a rather curt response. But he, being perfect, is not dishonoring his mother. Rather, what he's saying is, in effect, woman, I've been baptized. My ministry has begun. I'm not here as your son. I'm here as your Lord. His mission has its focus on what is above, not on a trivial issue of wine at a wedding no matter how expensive the wedding might be. So the master of the feast not only has a problem with the wine, he also has a problem in that Jesus is in no way interested. Still, as the master of the feast is running around in a panic, our Lord's mother is persistent. Having full faith, her prayer is heard as she turns to the servants commanding, do whatever he tells you. And our text goes on. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Jesus said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. There are two things here that are rather striking for us. First, what kind of master of the feast is this that has no idea his servants are taking orders from a guest? Not only does he seem unorganized, unprepared, and quite frankly incompetent, but now it also seems he's, he's lost control of his own crew. And the other thing is this. For a man who appears to have no interest in the shortage of wine, Jesus is himself getting deeply involved. As soon as his mother is gone, he takes the servants right over to the water jars and starts doling out commands. Now to picture this, imagine these water jars. Probably between a, the, between a knee and waist high, fairly wide, made of stone so they're heavy, placed in a part of the banquet where guests, as they come in, have easy access to them. And between them all, there's probably 120, 180 gallons of wine which is about the right amount for, for Jewish purification. Because in order to remain pure, the Jews were expected to wash their hands before they eat to purify themselves. Yet even with all the water in these jars, 
not one of them was nearly full. Maybe half full, three quarters. So Jesus tells the servants, fill the jars with water. And the servants follow his mother's command by following his command, filling the jars up to the top so that no more water could, could be put in there. One more drop would make it overflow. Then he tells them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. For an uninterested guest, Jesus has again become very involved. And the master of the feast, who has continually come up short, it seems he's about to become the luckiest man in the room. Our text continues. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then, when people have drunk freely, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. It's not hard to think that this master of the feast is a rather odd man. Because just the sight of wine being brought to him should make him ecstatic. His problem is solved. More wine has been found. It's being brought to him. His reputation is saved. The feast will continue. There will be no embarrassment for the family, for the couple. Yet instead, he takes the wine, tastes it, is perplexed. He's concerned. So he calls for the bridegroom, calls him into the room, asking him why he held out the good wine until last. Seems rather odd for a man who should be excited. But perhaps behind the master of the feast question is more than just an, an irritation that the bridegroom held out wine from him. Consider it. If you're the master of the feast, here one of the servants, supposedly under your supervision, brings you, unprompted by you, but clearly following commands from someone else, a cup of wine that has been found. Wine that is the best you have tasted all night, if not ever. Wine you didn't know about. Wine that was kept and arranged and organized and planned to be put out by someone else without your knowing. The master of the feast isn't necessarily worried about the good wine being served last, silly as that may seem to the guest. The master of the feast calls the bridegroom because he thinks someone else has taken over his position. He thinks that the bridegroom made someone else the master of the feast. That he's been replaced. And unbeknownst to the master of the feast, unbeknownst even to the bridegroom, that is exactly what happened. St. John tells us this. This, the turning water into wine, the chief of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. Jesus wasn't interested in trivial worldly affairs like wine at a wedding. What he said to his mother he meant. He was there as his ministry begins. And now baptized, his, he begins his ministry, bringing forth 
the wedding banquet that is showing himself in all his glory as the new master of the feast. Which tells us who the old master of the feast was. The old master of the feast is he who had charge over the old banquet. John the Baptist. All the prophets of the Old Testament. All those who oversaw the banquet of the law, the old covenant. They are those who put out the six stone water jars of the Old Testament. They are those who led the Jews to purify themselves, fill themselves with the water from these rocks just as John had purified them in the waters of the Jordan. But John only baptized with water in a baptism of repentance. Just as the waters in these jars stood only partially full before Jesus came, the water baptism falls short in truly purifying us. Instead, like the entire Old Testament, it only pointed forward to another who would be greater, who was to come, who is now here. And just as the master of the feast didn't know where the good wine came from, neither did John know who Jesus was until Jesus came to him at the Jordan and the dove of the Holy Spirit descended upon him. When Jesus was anointed, he began to increase and John began to decrease. When Jesus was anointed, he became the master of the feast, of the new banquet, having brought in the new wine, so that the joy of John and the old banquet are now complete, they're over, they're done. Jesus does what the law and no one through the law can do. He fills the stone water jars to the brim until they are full, complete, so that the waters in these jars are now the waters in which you are baptized. Not baptism of mere water, not a baptism of, of just repentance, but a baptism of water and spirit. A baptism where the waters are turned into the best wine, his blood poured out from his side, and in which you are made pure in the font. Because as Jesus speaks these words, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast, at these words, the water is turned to wine, wine that points to his passion, wine which points to the blood which he spilt as he was scourged and whipped, blood he spilt as he carried the cross to Golgotha, blood he spilt as he was nailed to the cross, blood which dripped down from his forehead all the way down his body as he hung on the cross and said, Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Blood which became purifying as he spoke the words, it is finished. Blood which gushed from his side with the water as his side was pierced. Our flesh is often fooled into thinking that it can purify itself with the waters of these half-empty half vessels. By our own works, by our own piety, by who we are. But all of that, like the water in the vessels, falls short under the law. We are purified only by the water turned to wine, by the water and the blood spilt from the side of Christ in which we are baptized, baptized by the servants, pastors, who are told by our mother, not Mary, but our mother, the church, do whatever he tells you, which is pretty much ordination vows summarized very shortly. 
do whatever he tells you. And what the Lord has told his servants, his pastors, to do is to preach in his name. To go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in the baptism of his blood. What he has told his servants is to give the wine become his blood. As he says, now this is my body, now this is my blood. Pastors, go and take it to my own. And we know where all this salvation comes from. Just like those servants. Just like those disciples. It comes from him who performed this sign on the third day. The third day of the sign of the water becoming wine. The sign of death becoming life. The third day as his glory is manifested, not only in the water become wine, but death become life as he rose again from the dead where the old creation is gone and the new creation has been resurrected in Him. The new creation, the resurrection, which you are baptized into by His blood. Because in His manifested glory, we must recognize that Jesus has not only become the new master of the feast, here also is your bridegroom. Baptized into the church, you are now a part of His bride created by the water and blood from his side. So that that as we see Jesus in the glory of the cross as our bridegroom, we can look at this sign of the cross and be included with those whom John talks about when he says, and his disciples, having seen the sign, believed in him. Welcome you baptized in just a bit to the wedding feast of the Lamb which Jesus inaugurated here. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with the Deum. Yeah.
insist upon thee to deliver me when didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God Continue with the prayer, beginning with the Kyrie. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. We pray the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We are bold to pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. This week in our prayers, we pray for our nation who has seen violence over this last year up until the last week, that there may be a peaceful transition of power and peace to come afterwards as well. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Lord, in your mercy. Most heartily, we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, Love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Lord, in your mercy. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, 
especially to Donald, our president, Joseph, our president-elect, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy, may it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. Lord, in your mercy. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially this morning do we pray for Jerry, Jean, Elvira, Iris, Ernie, Dee, Virtus, and Carol, Mary, John, Marion, Laura, Elaine, Diane, Sharon, Selena, Sarah, and Sherry. Lord, in your mercy. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, Yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Lord, in your mercy, cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Lord, in your mercy, receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood, your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, you have manifested your glory in the sign given at Cana. You have restored creation through the shedding of Christ's blood, and now give us your grace in abundance. Give us joy and gladness in the revelation of your truth in the person of your Son, our Lord, Lord in your mercy. Lord of glory, you have gathered your church and sanctified us in your truth. Guide and direct Matthew, our synod president, Steve, our district president, and Simon, our circuit visitor. Preserve all vacant congregations. Send laborers into your harvest and sustain those whom you have sent. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, you blessed the wedding at Cana with your presence and honored it with your first miracle. 
Strengthen and give your gladness to all married couples and their families. Be present in our homes and lives with your free and abundant forgiveness. And preserve us in the true faith from each generation to the next. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, God of all concord, it is your gracious will that your children on earth live together in harmony and peace. Be with our nation this week as we witness the transition of federal powers. Defeat the plans of all those who would stir up violence and strife. Destroy the weapons of those who delight in bloodshed. And according to your will, end all conflicts, all conflicts and ease political tensions. Teach us to examine our hearts that we may recognize our own inclination toward envy, malice, hatred, and enmity. Help us by your word and spirit to search our hearts and to root out the evil that would lead to strife and discord so that in our lives we may be at peace with all people. Fill us with a zeal for the work of your church and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which alone can bring that peace which is beyond all understanding. Lord, in your mercy. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Alleluia. Teach me thy paths. Alleluia. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who hast safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, might be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let us pray together. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.